Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Olympic ratings are down quite a bit, although TV ratings are hard to figure out now because um, if you if you watch a, you know you watch a sport on your phone, it doesn't count, and um, I don't know, it's hard to figure out how many people actually watch stuff. I've watched less Olympics this time around than any Olympics since I was seven years old. Uh, I don't know if other people are the same, but the ratings are down quite a bit. Anyway, welcome to the program. Glad you're here. You picked a good moment to tune in because everybody likes Tim the Lawyer, we call him. Tim Sandifer. He's the vice president of litigation for the Goldwater Institute. He's written a number of fantastic books we'll mention at the end of this interview so that you can go buy them immediately. Tim, how you doing, dude? I'm just great. How are you doing? I'm all right. I know you're an anti-sports guy. Are you anti-Olympics? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm very much anti-Olympics. I cannot stand the idea that our athletes would compete uh, on a an equal footing with enslaved children from China, and that we would then lend the, the oppressive Chinese government, and this goes to other tyrannical governments also, the credibility of uh, that uh, that goes along with taking them as an equal. It's disgraceful, disgraceful to me to see these athletes, uh, our athletes, got there and worked their their whole lives on, to pursue a dream on the same balance beam with children who are forced into virtual slavery by a totalitarian government overseas and and compelled to compete on pain of punishment as if that's somehow the same thing. No, I think the Olympics should be abolished immediately. Wow, there you go, strong strong opinion from Tim Sandifer. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm shocked that this whole because the Olympics are supposed to be in China. Right after, you know, next year, winter 2022. So not that far from now. I can't believe that that hasn't been canceled, that all of the good countries of the world haven't pulled out yet. They were still acting like that's going to happen. Uh, like, I'm OK with the, the Olympics happening in Japan right now. And uh, I get what you just said. But um, there's no way we can send an Olympic team to China and let them have that platform to show off the the city of Beijing. 
Yeah, I would think. You know, the original Olympics, the whole idea when it was recreated in the 19th century was that we were going to have, you know, it would be for peace, for world peace, and, and everybody would drop politics and just compete together and, and forget their political differences. But the Olympics is all about politics now. It's just prestige competitions between governments that want to pound themselves on the chest and say how great and bold they are when back home they're throwing their people into concentration camps and forcing them to make wallets for, for uh, uh, sale of Overseas. No, I, it's, just, it's just disgraceful. It should be completely ended. Well, if it makes you feel any better, our U.S. men's basketball team beat Iran by 50 points yesterday. So take that, Iran! <laughs> you um, know, that does make me feel better. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of feel like this is well-trodden ground, but it keeps popping up. And I know it's going to end up in schools around the country. The 1619 Project. You have written eloquently on this. You've spoken uh, forcefully on this. Could you give us kind of a short version for people who don't know of what the 1619 Project is? Because, again, they might be teaching to your schools, in your schools, if your kids are allowed to go back to school this year, which is a different topic. But they might be teaching to your, your kids this year. What is it and what's the the many flaws? Well, it's in, in this same way that, that critical race theory is, both the 1619 Project is very vague in certain crucial ways. So it's supposed to be about trying to emphasize black history more, to talk about the consequences of slavery more, to talk about the ways in which the uh, discrimination after the Civil War perpetuated uh, racial inequalities and, and, and the heroic stories of the people who triumphed over those, those uh, obstacles. And in in that sense, that's great. But then when you start reading the text, you find that it goes further and it makes certain claims about the nature of the United States and says that America was founded on slavery, that what makes America essential is the existence of slavery and that the American Revolution was fought in order to perpetuate slavery and that the Constitution was written in order to protect slavery. And those are all factually false. And really dangerous propositions to be teaching children, to tell them that they were and, and remain fundamentally excluded from the American dream. It's contrary, for one thing, it's contrary to the views of those who fought for civil rights just in the 1960s, who insisted, no, black Americans are entitled to participate in the American dream. They have as much legitimate claim to the Declaration and the, and the Constitution as anybody else does. But the 1619 Project's ideology turns that backwards and says, no, this is and always has been a white supremacist nation. And, of course, those white supremacists out there, they applaud that. They say, yeah, right, you know. So I think, I think in that sense, 1619, is, it plays into the hands of the white racists who would say that this country was and remains for whites only. Whether it's the 1619 Project or a variety of other things that we're uh, we're constantly talking about now and, and teaching in schools or uh, you know become the hot topic of the day, has has any nation ever in its history turned so self-hating as the United States has, or at least segments of the United States? I don't know of it. It's really weird. Well, there was the nihilist movement in Russia in about 1900. Uh, you know, which set the stage for terrible things that followed. Yeah, I think there there have been times when nations have been this kind of self-critical, but you're right that this goes beyond self-critical. This goes into genuine self-hatred, which tells people that there is no greater purpose to the American dream. And, you know, in fact, and this is, this is what inspired my article was, was uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, 
who is the charlatan behind the the 1619 project. And charlatan is a perfectly uh, uh, the, the right word to use because they've retracted or she's walked back a whole bunch of different stuff from that Pulitzer Prize winning article. Without admitting it, without acknowledging it, they've erased it without saying that they've changed it, which is charlatanism. And when challenged on her historical claims, she resorts to accusing her critics of racism instead of responding to them on the on the merits. So that's the that's the 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 surefire sign of a charlatan. So her she said in, in at one point defending herself, she said, well, this was all about about a, a narrative, about telling a narrative about American history. This isn't supposed to be factual. We're, we're, this is about creating a, a story about America. Well, we all knew that. that, that that's the whole point. And, and what it was is it's an alternative theory of what the American dream is, the alternative to that which is articulated in the Declaration of Independence. That's what it is. Is It was an attempt to say the Declaration of Independence is a lie and was written by liars and that, in fact, not all men are created equal, and that, in fact, the Constitution's authors did not really mean this. Now, as I said, they're very vague about this, so the, the authors of the project are very vague about this, so then they'll turn around and say, no, no, we're saying that, they, that these were noble ideals, but they didn't really live up to them. But that's a very different thing than saying what they actually say, which is that these ideals were, were false from the beginning, which is a, a, a quotation from the, from the 1619 Project. So it, it, it's vague on purpose in order to allow them to, to make assertions about America being evil. And then when they're called on it to dance back across the line and say, no, no, we're just saying that America was great in theory, but people failed to live up to, to the, the noble ideals. But that's not what they're really doing. For for so many, um, particularly academics in this uh, in this country, and then a lot of the students that they're teaching, the nation we're like a human being that has gone from uh, ignoring all our flaws and being, uh, you know, pompous and a little deluded as to uh, to to uh, you know where we fit in in terms of good and bad. To like all we do now is we're like a person that only emphasizes their failures and walks around saying nobody could ever love me, nobody should ever love me. I'm a bad person. It's just so yeah. weird. That's right. And there's a rhetorical strategy behind this on the part of those who are propagating it, and that is if you want to destroy great ideals, the first thing to do is to destroy idealism outright, uh, or, or to elevate things that are not really ideals to the status of ideals, in order to obscure the desire, the aspiration for truth and goodness. You tell people that there is no such thing as truth and goodness, or that things that are not true and are not good are really true and good in order to confuse them. And that's the strategy. That's the, a similar strategy is at play with, with critical race theory. Critical race theory says that there is systemic racism and that we should pay attention to systemic racism. What, but, but the ambiguity here is what do we mean by system? What system exactly are we talking about? Some, if you're talking about something like, let's say, the drug war, well, you know, there are ways in which the drug war has uh, racist elements to it from its history and, and the way it's enforced and so forth. The way they treated but crack cocaine versus powder cocaine, yeah, things like right. that. Right, and we can have that discussion, absolutely. But if what you mean by system is, say, capitalism – then we have a very different story. The capitalism is not inherently racist. Capitalism is the greatest boon ever enjoyed by racial minorities in the history of the species. So it, it's, a, it's carefully designed to be ambiguous so that when people say systemic, what they mean is the same thing that the hippies meant when they said the establishment in the 1960s. <laughs> right, right, exactly. 
That's the hippies. I like it when you mention the hippies. Uh, Olympics hating Tim Sandifer on the line. Um, so if 1619 Project comes up in your school, like you find out your kids are being taught that, I'll tell you what, Google 1619 Project and Tim Sandifer's name, and you'll come up with some of the stuff that he has written, and you'll have the ammunition you need to fight back against uh, your school board. Now, Tim, if you can hang around for a little bit, I got a couple of questions, because you are one of the... You are one of America's leading thinkers on freedom. According to George Will of the Washington Post, you're an American treasure. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. So a, a lot of people out there haven't gotten the vaccine. I didn't see that coming. I thought we were going to, uh, you know, race to figure out a vaccine, come up with a vaccine, figure out how to get it out, and people would go out and get vaccinated. I didn't, I didn't really see this coming, that there'd be a pretty big chunk of the country that decided they didn't want to get the vaccine. Now, uh, your, your lefty media really likes to make it all about uh, d- dumb white Trump voters, 
And uh, and uh, there are an awful lot of other people that aren't getting uh, the vaccine. Also, 40%, for instance, 40% of New York City's Department of Education employees aren't vaccinated. I doubt many of those were Trump voters. And uh, there, there are a lot of examples of that in big cities across the country. And, uh, for instance, um, African-American men are, uh, as a percentage, they, as a group of people, aren't getting the vaccination in the highest numbers. So... Um, so there's a lot of talk now of forcing people to do it. You're a libertarian, one of the great thinkers in America. Where do you come down on the government forcing people to get vaccinated? Well, the libertarian principle is that it should be up to the property owner whether to require somebody to have the vaccine before going on his property. If I'm a homeowner and somebody's going to come in and, and have dinner at my house, I have the right to say, you can't come over to my house if you don't have the vaccine. Same thing if I'm a business owner or whatever. So the libertarian answer is that it's a, a question of private property rights, and that leaves people free to decide for themselves whether to get the vaccine and come over to my house or not get the vaccine and not come over to my house. So the 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 problem that we have is that we've reduced the rights of property and business owners so drastically in today's world that people – feel like they have to look to the government to tell give them guidance on on questions that ought to be individual choices so um well okay well then back to the does the federal government if if, the, if they're going to start man if the government's going to start mandating this is this a federal government thing a state government thing who's, who's got the power to even do this it should well as with everything having to do with health and safety it's primarily a state matter and and uh, that's another thing where we've diverged so much from what the constitution actually requires by giving so much power to the federal government when in fact this should be a question that decided at the state level so for like my everybody knows who's got kids in school there are a number of shots that you have to get to attend a public school is that a uh, is that a county by county thing that is informed by the federal government or is that a federal mandate uh, under existing law, it's probably a thing where the the uh, the school district gets funding from the feds, and in exchange for that funding, you have to agree to a whole bunch of things. That's the way most federal control has expanded in the in the 20th and early 21st century, is by the feds coming along and saying, "Well, we'll we'll give you this this grant, but you have to agree to follow our our rules if you." If you receive the grant, and of course you can't really refuse the grant because that's your tax money. They've taken that money from you already, and they say we'll give you your tax money back if you agree to these rules. And so you know you don't really have a choice about the matter. But that's the way most federal mandates are imposed nowadays. I know how you feel about a lot of the business shutdowns and school shutdowns and everything like that. But as an individual, and you've got you know as much bona fides as anybody I know in America in terms of libertarian freedom. You know, I'm my own person. The government can't make me do things. Blah blah blah. Have you felt like the the line was crossed for you personally on wearing masks or vaccines or anything at any point during this pandemic? Not really, no. But remember that I I, I reside in Arizona, which had a very different uh, response to, to the pandemic than California did. In California, you have Governor Newsom basically declaring one-man rule. Even though the state legislature is in session now and could make the rules, he decides, no, no, I'm going to make the rules for everybody unilaterally and impose those on everybody. That was very different than the way our state did it, which was uh, our governor asked people to stay home for a while and then asked them to remain safe. And then local governments, counties, have the primary responsibility for setting safety rules for how businesses should operate so i just have two minutes left and this just came up in my uh, own real life and i wanted to ask you about this because you know a lot about the second amendment 
So I went to buy some ammunition the other day. I already own a gun, but I wanted to buy bullets, and I went to the local Big Five, and at least in the county and the state that I live in, the amount of paperwork that they handed me and the number of things that I had to do to just buy some bullets was freaking unbelievable. How expensive it is, the paperwork, $93 for the basic background check for buying bullets. Um, I have to find my birth certificate that I've got somewhere in a box or whatever. How does this not violate my Second Amendment right to uh, keep and bear arms? Oh, of course it violates your Second Amendment rights. It's death by a thousand cuts, or, or as they say, n- being nibbled to death by ducks, right? The, the state <laughs> bureaucrats know perfectly well how to make life difficult for you, and then they can say, well, we're not denying you. We're just saying you have to fill out yet another form, and you have to wait another six months. Or We at the Goldwater Institute actually have, are suing the state of Illinois for failing to issue people the permits to which they are legally entitled to, ha- to hold firearms, even though state law says that there's a deadline for the state to decide whether to, to give you or deny you the permit. Instead, they just completely ignore this deadline and take years sometimes to decide whether or not to give you your firearms permit. Meanwhile, you have dangerous riots in Chicago and people want firearms to protect themselves. And the state says, oh, no, you, you, you have to fill out yet another form and wait another six months. Uh, you know, rely on the police. Even though We you know, are unfortunately are out of time, Tim, and I really appreciate everything you had to say today. I'm going to pump your books when we come back. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.